an inside look at the restaurant industry and entrepreneurial insight to help you succeed. It's the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. All right. What's going on, guys? We are back with the Paper Trails Podcast. Super pumped to have you guys back. Sorry for the lull. A couple of weeks now. We had a, a couple of reschedules, but um, we're having a couple of uh, actual shows today. So next couple of weeks will be awesome. And so obviously, uh, your host, Nick Caligaramitros, uh, owner of Alboral Paper. And we are super pumped to have Bill Glass and Jeff Laurie, some friends of mine. They are brokers. Um, in the food industry, um, they represent a lot of different manufacturers, wide variety of lines, a ton of experience um, in the industry for you know for many many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I thought today would be good if we just got a little bit of some background um, of them. But then you know, let's let's talk some restaurants. Let's talk the food business. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys call in a lot of different uh, type of restaurants, mm-hmm. chains. You know, large, large chains, some smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to kind of see what they're hearing in the marketplace, business numbers. Um, you know, I, I think I just heard, I, I spoke to um, a um, commercial real estate mm. buyer and an and, um, investor, um, I guess, you know, he brokers deals. And I think I just heard maybe this week, maybe I think the largest you know, maybe you know if, if this is wrong, tell me. But yeah. the largest Pizza Hut in the Southeast owner or group, I think, you know, just filed bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 120, 50 stores. I don't know. It's been it's been an interesting time the last six months. You know, navigating right. in our industry. And so, you know, as you guys know, my dad has owned restaurants for thirty five years. You know, they, my dad and his two brothers, own and operate three of their own. And you know, they've got a partner at a fourth location. And so, you know, um, last night. I was at the restaurant working until nine o'clock, and so you know I am I am in it too, you know. So That's right. not only am I on the sales side, the, the the distribution side for over twelve years now, you know, running a company with my cousin, but um, you know I am hands on. I you know so you know we 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 know what's happening. You know Jeff's met my dad many times, and mm-hmm. you know they've they've done some work in the past. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean let's guys let's start with maybe just a really really soft introduction. Sure background you know how you got into the business maybe for both of you guys and then we'll see where the conversation goes but um, I'm 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 looking forward to this this um, this podcast for sure so uh, yeah and thank you thank you for having us on thank you for allowing us this time uh, I really appreciate it and it is it's a very interesting time there's a lot of a uh, lot of challenges uh, and and to me that's opportunity to me that's an opportunity for us to kind of go out um, just a little bit about me and my background I actually planned on being a stockbroker. That's what I went to school. That's what I wanted okay. to be. Um, and then a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, uh, that I had a ton of respect for, called me up one day. It was over the summer, uh, in between uh, my sophomore and junior year, and said, "Hey, you always talked about wanting a real job. You know, I might have this kind of like internship position. If you're interested, you might want to go interview." And I said. Yeah, I think I would. I, I think it's pretty cool what you do. You're a broker, right? And he goes, yeah, food broker. And I said, okay. And I had no idea what that was. I had no idea what that entailed. So out of the blue, just out of the blue. I mean, literally, it was a friend of mine that just kind of, it, it happened. I, I went and uh, I interviewed. And the, the comical thing about the interview is that when I went to the interview, I got out of my car, turned around, started walking toward the front door, and this girl came out. 
And I saw this girl and I was like, man, I've got to land this job. <laughs> I've got to land this job. I got to get this job. I'm going to meet this girl. Yeah. Well, that's what happened. And I have been a, I've been a food broker ever since. And of course, that's Beth. Yep. That My is wife. Beth. That's right. So we've been married 27 years now. Nice. And uh, yeah, and so it was really an interesting thing because I fell in love with it. And I'll tell you what I really fell in love with was the people. That was truly what, what caused me to truly enjoy it. Um, there was a period of time where, um, well, so I started out with an independent broker. I had an opportunity to join a gentleman and form my own brokerage company. Okay. So we did that. Um, then Beth came on board with me when, while we had that company. Okay. Uh, and then I was uh, contacted by multiple large regional brokers that wanted to purchase my company. Okay. I ended up selling my company to one of those very, very large brokers named Innovative Concept Group, okay. which then became Waypoint. Uh, so I did Innovative, I did Waypoint, and it got to a point where I said, okay, 25 years in, I guess I'm done. I guess this is the end of the road. It's been quite a journey. And I did. I, I really saw it that way. I did not expect to be back in the business. Um, but then uh, Enrico Pirano, a very good friend of mine, uh, lived in the neighborhood where I used to live. And we saw each other and he said, hey, have you thought about getting back in the business? And I said, yes, yes, I have. Because there again, it wasn't that I missed necessarily, you know, Excel spreadsheets and uh, doing dairy reports. It wasn't that. It was the people. Yeah. It was the people that I really fell in love with. So I did. I embarked upon a new adventure with BNA, okay. and it has been tremendous. Um, and the the beautiful thing about BNA is we're all like minded. We really do love the industry, and we really do have a desire to help people. Um, in our world, the way that we look at it is we believe that the operator's number one. We believe that our goal is to help the operator succeed because. And this is something that was ingrained within me a long, long time ago. And I found, like I said, like-minded individuals. If we help that operator succeed, we all win. Yep. So that's kind of the, the basis of why I do what I do. And it really is a foundation for how I do it. So you, that's uh, me. Well, yeah, go ahead. Before we introduce Bill, yeah. you glad you sold your company when you did? Um, you know, it was an interesting time, and I will be honest with you, when I met Bud Taylor with Innovative, I was, I was blown away at how far ahead of me he was. So it was, it was almost intimidating to an extent, but then I also saw his vision, and I got very excited about being a part of what he saw. So uh, I am glad that I sold it at that time, and it was. It, it really worked out very, very well because it opened up my mind to so much more. Uh, it really helped me to see a much larger picture of this industry. It helped me to understand um, a greater conceptualization of what the industry can be. So from those, for those things, absolutely. Definitely. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Bill, how did you get in this uh, amazing world that we're in? <laughs> in the restaurant business uh, to pay bills in college. Okay. Um, I was a lifeguard in North Motor Beach for uh, four summers and uh, worked for two owners of a small place called Swells Beach Club. And it was, I was the cook, I was the prep cook, I was the dishwasher. So it was one of those first experiences where either you loved it or you hated it. So ended up loving it. Um, worked for Max and Irma's while I was going to UNCC. Um, went to Morton's and worked with John Dressler that owns Dressler's uh, Rare Roots Hospitality. Yeah. Uh, worked with him at Morton's downtown. Was a chef for them for two years. Um, Went into Charleston after Morton's and helped some relatives open up a restaurant on Market Street. 
downtown Charleston. That was an experience with all the culinary that's in, uh, in Charleston. Um, came back to uh, Charlotte and started working with Joe Douglas with 131 Maine. <clears throat> Did an offshoot of 131 called Tenders, which is now PDQ. Um, and then helped him do Cowboy Restaurant uh, here recently. But then Jeff helped me with uh, a lot of food procurement with tenders. <clears throat> and I decided, you know, hey, I'm going to get out of the business of being in operations. Try something a little bit different. And Jeff was in shopping with uh, his wife, Beth, at uh, Consign on a Dime, where my wife works. And I don't know what they were talking about. <laughs> but uh, she said, you know what? Bill's, Bill's doing this. He's in between jobs. And Jeff said, you tell him to call me. So I did, and here I sit. When, when was that? How, how long have you been working? A little over right a year. Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So, there's, so about a year and year? a half. No, yeah. no. When was it? it? This Christmas, it'll be almost two years this Christmas. That's be true. Right. Fe right. February 2021 will yeah. be two years. Yeah. So uh, year ju yeah, yeah. jumped into the brokerage business, and, you know, with the operations experience, uh, so, it's been tremendous because I get to stay in an area that I'm comfortable in and get to talk to the operators and be a part of operations and not have to work 18 hours a day mm -hmm. in the same four walls. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful thing. And I'll tell you, what Bill brings is something that I did, could not bring. So when I went into an operator, into even a chain restaurant group, yeah, I can, I can broker that deal between the manufacturer and yourself. I can set up all these things. Products. So you, exactly. You're you an expert. Like I can product. do all that. But as far as the operational, the menu development, and LTO, mm, Yeah, how does this not, help me on a day-to-day -day basis? <laughs> exactly. How does it fit in? How do I actually make this work? That's why his expertise, that's why I was so excited about having him on board. I was like, man, here's a guy that fills this huge void for our company that helps me. Literally, I take him everywhere. I've taken him to cookout, I've taken him to jet. I, anyways, I, this, this interview that we just had, it's because I can see one side of it. I can't see what he sees. Yeah. I can't see that, that true aspect of how does this really perform in the kitchen? How does this really end up on a plate? I, to me, that's, that's a challenge still. Because unlike most people that are in the food brokerage business or in the food business, I've never worked in a restaurant. Yeah, never in my life. Like you said, you so, were at the restaurant yeah. working. I, I, it's it, like you it, never get out of it. It's a, it's an interesting thing because even when we have different reps to come see us and mm -hmm. they bring samples and they're talking about the quality of this is the best, and I always I, I pump the brakes and I'll, I say I'll tell you the quality is you know let me use it this weekend and I'll tell you how good this degreaser is. You know what I mean? Like you know absolutely. So you know I I like that part as far as us as a distribution company, you know, we, mm -hmm. I mean, your container, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll try it out. We'll, right. we'll put product in it and we'll see how it looks or how it performs. And so, mm -hmm. um, so interesting. So you like this side of it? You like the, the you know what? I, I do because it's like I'm back in school. I am learning, uh, you know, just something different. Very ev different. Every day, every day Yeah. to go from, it's kind of like peeking behind the curtain. It's like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> You know, now I get to see what the wizard's doing you know, as far as the food industry is concerned on the yeah. brokerage side. Yeah, it really is. It's funny to me uh, when people come in to our side of the business and they do, they just go, wow, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> 
that all this took place behind the scenes. Like what? Like what? Like like you know, give us an example for, for <laughs> get, I'll give you that are watching. Like just one simple example that you had no I, no clue what was happening. One one quick example would be uh, a manufacturer that packs uh, a brand for a Cisco or a U.S. Foods or a Cheney uh, or or a Gordon Food Service. You know, it, it could be real similar in uh, a, a different brand. But it's the same manufacturer packing sure. for different distributors. Sure, sure, sure. And you don't know that on the other side. You have no clue. You're like, I'm special. I'm getting this brand <laughs> because it's the best. So it's it's just it's it's a it's a peek behind, you know, a, a bigger picture of yeah. of what goes on. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a million different examples I could go through. I mean, it's always fun to me to kind of because I've taken so much for granted that I kind of have seen and have understood. You know, um, one of the things that, that we always pride ourselves on is um, trying to educate operators. Sure. Trying to, you know, some of the things we do is we send out market reports. You know, we send out, uh, whether it be pork, whether it be chicken, whether it be dairy, whatever it is, because we think that that's vital information, especially, uh, especially when you start talking to chains, because they actually have vice president of procurement, they have purchasing directors, and these guys are tasked to make sure that they are on top of that game in a huge way sure. for their concept. So, you know, those are the types of things um, that we really do. We dive into and we make sure, hey, how can we assist? How can we help? How can we show? Because, for instance, the dairy market. The dairy market has been incredibly crazy. More crazy than I've ever experienced in my 30 years, 30 plus years now. Wow. Um, we saw during COVID, we saw it actually spike to an all-time high. Then correspond with two of the largest drops ever seen. So, and, and I do, I, you know, we get, we get um, distributor sales reps calling us. We get operators calling us. What is going on? Well, we try to lay it out. We try to explain. But the big thing that we try to help them with is understand this is not a permanent scenario. This will, this will level itself back out. You know, and uh, what we told people is, hey, look, you'll see it balance out back around that 160 to 180 range on the block. You'll see that come back into play. Can't promise you when, but that's that's where it should be and that's where it should move to. Um, so just little things like that. So let's let's you know before we get into restaurants right now and what people can do or ideas or what you're seeing working and not working stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about successful restaurants. Mm -hmm you know, maybe do's and don'ts, successful, unsuccessful. What are some things that you guys have seen mm -hmm. over your careers yeah. that if we've got somebody that wants to start a food truck, a catering company, a restaurant, mm -hmm. take it, doesn't matter, in, any, in the food business, um, or maybe for that matter, this could be maybe some good advice for anybody that wants to start any business. Right. Mm -hmm. Landscape, dry cleaners, doesn't matter. Right. Um, what are some things, some commonalities, some traits that you've seen that just growing successful operators, owners, mm -hmm. um, executives have been able to execute on that maybe you've seen other ones that just aren't quite there? What are some things... From, from both your I'm perspectives. I'm going to let Bill answer that for the most part, cool. but the one thing that I would say, and, and this is, uh, you know, my experience in restaurants is I eat at them a lot. Sure. So other than that, and I'm in the back of the house helping them to be successful. Sure. Um, I would say this, uh, have a plan, 
of who you are and be cons be consistent. And, and what I mean by that is be consistent to who you are trying to be, but then even more importantly, when you put a plate out, make sure it's consistent every time. Yeah. Do everything in your power, and I, I, there's a lot in that statement right there, but do everything in your power to ensure that every time that plate goes out, it's consistent. The largest chains that I work with, that's the secret. It's not necessarily that it's the absolute best, but it's the absolute most consistent. And you know that when you go to X restaurant and you order this on the menu, whether it be in Wilkesboro, North Carolina, or Wilmington, or you know Parkersburg, West Virginia, you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. And, and I would say that is that is the key. The, the the concepts and the restaurants that seem to to kill it for exponential growth. Yeah, that is that is a key component. That is a key component because, uh, as you know. If I have a bad experience at your restaurant, I probably won't say anything to you. They say 90% won't say anything. Yeah, you're right. But they'll walk out and they'll tell 10 of their friends. Yeah. So that's the, to me, that's what I have seen. I've seen the people that are really, uh, truly committed yeah. to making sure that they maintain consistency. Um, those people, they thrive. So, so two things, have an identity, mm -hmm. know who you are, yeah. right? And then and have you're not. And, and who you're not, yeah. I mean, there's a portion of that, Absolutely, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, you're a, you're a pizza restaurant. Yeah, throw throw pasta in there, throw fish in there. Yeah, well, right. whatever you want, you know. Right. No, no, have an identity, know who you are, who you're not, and then have a consistent product that, you know, that, that What can you do successfully every single time on every single dish? Yeah. What can you execute correctly and do that to the best of your ability every single time? That's a good point. What can you do and execute consistently over and over again? And what can, you know, that's a good point. I like that. Bill, what are your thoughts? What have you seen? Because you, you have a, you know, I mean, yeah. just meeting you for Much the first time. I've, I've known you for many years. We just met, but just the names that you dropped from the restaurants that you've been in, not, not only locally, but at a distance, Charleston, Myrtle Beach. Um, you have a resume. What have you seen in your career in restaurants that... You know, you mentioned the mom and pops. Uh, it, it goes from your one sole proprietor, your single operation to multiple units, you know, four or five units to, you know, growing exponentially. The, the, the biggest thing is people. Biggest thing is people. What people do you have in your business? What culture are you creating in your business? Do you have a mission statement? Do you have key business drivers that support your mission statement? You know, there's a lot of people that I talk to that, well, no, I don't have a mission statement. Well, then what's your, what are you here for? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, I'm here to make money. Nah, doesn't, that, doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't work all the time. It's so really a long-term, long-range deal. Culture, people. culture, people, um, consistency. Uh, it, it seems now that uh, it's, it's switched from an old school paradigm of we're going to work from the top down, meaning I own a restaurant and I'm going to tell everybody what to do. And when I say jump, you say how high. It's kind of changed a little bit. The paradigm has shifted. If you empower your people to do the right thing and you have systems in place, the consistency will come and you empower those people at the bottom to make choices and help make decisions and they become owners of the business. And if you do that, whether you're a one store or a five store or 150 stores, you will be successful. 
Don't put money at the bottom all the time. Take care of your people, build a culture, build that plan, get your mission statement, get your key business drivers, hire the people into that culture and train them. Yeah, you know, you said something that's pretty interesting, you know, um, about the mission statement. You know, the owner can have an idea in his mind that he wants to make a ton of money and that's it. But, you know, it's really hard to have employees to get behind that. <laughs> Let me just work. And have, I mean, like that, that is a that's pretty, pretty difficult thing to kind of, you know what I mean? So there's got to be a little bit more, you know, um, you know, than that. And, you know, I mean, like I said, and, and, and that could be a wide variety of stuff. I mean, it is that, you know, I mean, you know, some people, you know, want to, you know, do this, this and this, you know, I mean, there is no right answer. Right. But you should have some kind of idea. Like, like, like you said, you know, the, the question of what are we doing if should be answered. If you're, if you're good at, at the broad picture and think about the culture you want in your restaurant, like the, the mission statement to wow every guest in a way that creates loyalty. If you can't purvey that to the people that you hire and they can't understand what that means, then they're not the right people for the bus. Let, let me give you an example, because I think I, I think broad range, everybody kind of is picking that up, what that is. Yeah. I do. Yeah. But he shared some things with me. Um, it, we actually were on our way back. I don't remember where we were on our way back from, but uh, I asked him to come in to help um, a concept that was kind of at a point where, hey, we're trying to figure some things out. So I brought him in. Yeah. Um, but he made a comment or he talked about something that he did and I don't remember what concept it was, but you actually went and read books in the elementary school. Oh, yeah. You went and, Absolutely. But those types of things that he did to help broaden reach uh -huh. into the community with the concept. Grassroots marketing. Mm -hmm. be, a, be a part of the community you do business in. And when I say be a part of the community, uh, you know, d d do anything that involves helping the people in the community. And, and it could be as simple as going to Wash and Potts Elementary School and reading to the kids. Mm. And I did that when we did tenders and doing that and playing cornhole. Playing, with... yeah, yeah. I mean anything, right? And, and 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 it wasn't because I was like, you know, we're only doing thirteen thousand dollars a week. My God, what's going? You know, we're not going to be open for another two weeks. I got to do something. It wasn't that. It was really genuinely. And then when I started going out to do that, the people. They would say, well, what, we can, what can we do for you? I said, I'm good. I'm doing this because I want to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, well, you work over at Tenders. Well, let's just go try the place out. Yeah. And then just, you know, organically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you're yeah. doing the right thing. 100%. That if you do the right thing by people, for people, yeah. and you're not doing it selfishly. Sure. I mean, I don't know. Like, there's this concept, like, sowing and reaping that I've heard. About that. <clears throat> I've heard that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like... If you, I mean, call it karma, call it something, whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't know, you do good stuff, like good things will come back to you. I don't right. know, like maybe we should try it, you know, but. Yeah, it might work. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a talk that I heard, I think by a, a very successful sales trainer. And he said, the reason why people don't buy from you is because of obscurity. They don't know who you are. Right. Like they don't, like you have to stay in front of everybody. Right. Yep. And, you know, that may mean digital marketing. Right. That may mean podcasts. That may mean, you know, going out and with, within the community that may be volunteering. That doesn't matter. That, that may be sponsoring the local golf tournament that, you know, 
it doesn't matter. Right. You do whatever you got to do because there's only so much that you can do, in my opinion, with an apron on in the kitchen in those four walls. Great point. Right? Like somebody's got to be, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I I have been blessed with my business partner, my cousin, that kind of lets me do this kind of stuff. You know, he's like, hey, you know what? You be in charge of some of the marketing. I said, you know what? Okay, let's, you know, and I see this as another form of reach. Yes. I'm, I'm, we have a YouTube channel, we have Spotify, we have this going out on, on Apple Podcasts, and it's just another way for the Charlotte food industry, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily, I mean, I've had people that aren't my customers on this, on the podcast. Right. And, you know, I, that's total. I have no problem with that. I'm just trying to bring value, you know, and I've had owners, I've, I promise you, I have owners that have seen, right. you know, um, you know, I think this is 11, episode 11? 12, episode 12. I apologize. I didn't mention this earlier, but, um, but you know, out of the first 11 podcasts, they've texted me and they said, hey, I really enjoyed this person. You know, he, he said some numbers. He said some sales. Like, okay. Because, you know, some a lot of people aren't, aren't really open about this kind of stuff. You right. know I mean? You know, especially our community, the, you know, the, right. the Greeks can be very, you know, in a, <laughs> hey, like, you know, we're not doing well, but, you know, we just bought a new Range Rover. You know, <laughs> so, you know. Uh. Uh, you know, they're always, uh, you know, but you know, it's 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 good to have, like, you know, just just to learn. Because yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never seen, maybe this exists. I've never seen a school you can go to to become a successful restaurateur. No, I, I haven't seen it. A lot of it, it is bootstraps. You're learning. Some of them have been a culinary school. School. A lot of them have not been a culinary school. Right. Like you know, and it's just you know, let's just learn. And see where this goes, and see what happens. And right. so, um, now, cool. Opposite side of that. Anything you guys have seen that doesn't work? I mean, anything that you know that you're just like, you know what? Like, this is a common trait that I've seen. Like, one thing that you said, Bill, that I like is processes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, there has. To, I mean, I'm not saying that you got to be McDonald's, but you know, even with the ordering side, like, I mean. There should be a day that you do inventory. There right. should be a day that you go through and, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I feel like the days of just, you know, walking through the stock room and just, glance, you know, like, let's set some cars. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. Like, have you seen that? Well, what have you seen that Any- restaurants that have failed besides maybe identity consist? I mean, I, I know that that's, that's a lot of it. Is right. there anything that you've seen that people have done that? Has led them down a path of slower sales or anything like that. I mean, yeah. If you're not, if you don't have a system in place, you don't have those processes, then uh, I don't expect you to be around for too long. It's difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. Um, unless you want to have a lifestyle business, that you are the business and you're in it seven days a week, eighteen hours a day. Stressed out. If that's what you, if that's what you want, anxiety. Then that that that's there's your guide to get into it and and have that lifestyle business. If you don't want to be that guy or that gal, then yeah, systems and, and processes are a huge part. And of. I mean, something, something else that you said is empowerment, mm-hmm. yeah. empowering your people. I mean, that's something that, you know, I've, I have a little bit of a, you know, I, I hosted a, um, an event this past weekend down in Greenville, South Carolina. And, you know, I, in my opinion, I think I'm a pretty good host kind of, I can, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the other guys that we were kind of doing an event with was like, hey, why don't we give this other guy a shot? You know, and uh, for me, I'm like, I'm LeBron James right now. Why, why, why would you bench LeBron James? Like, why would you, you know, but, but we, we let the other gentleman do it. And you know what? He did fantastic. And I was like, you know what? 
yeah, man, like maybe the the the, the control type A part of me needs to, you know, slow right. back or take a couple steps <clears> back because you know what? There are good people that are capable that can right. do a fan, and if you teach them the right way, that's right, they will duplicate whatever decisions you would make. Mm-hmm. If you give if you give them the mindset, yeah, it's called it's it's empowerment. It's called succession. You know, do you want to be doing what you're doing for the rest of your life? That's a good point. Or do you want to think about, hey, in ten years, who's going to do what I'm doing? Are there systems in place? Are there processes? Uh, is there anybody that that is up underneath me that I can train to do what I do? And it's not to train them because I'm going to lose my job. It's to train them so that I don't have to keep doing this. Or if I want to take two weeks off, and no one's calling me every single day go, on my uh, on my vacation. Yeah, yeah, you should be fined if you're on vacation and somebody calls you. I heard. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> it's going to tra- it's going to cost you money. Down. <laughs> I heard a long time ago the, the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. Is the business owner does everything, and the entrepreneur can actually walk away, and the, and the job still gets done. That's exactly right. Wow. Right. So, five six months now. I mean, since well, I think it was March seventeenth when <laughs> you know um, restaurants got shut down as far as um, completely. In March fifteenth, you know, inside dining at five o'clock shut down. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, so yeah, and it, it, I'll tell you, this has been unprecedented time, sure. as we all can understand. Um, one of the things that we did is we continued to be in contact with all of our customers. We continued to say, hey, how are you doing? How's the concept doing? What are your plans? Because we really felt like if you, if you come into this just saying, oh, well, I guess we're shutting down, and that's your plan, mm, mm. you may be it's in trouble. Mm. So we really did try to talk to everybody to say, what is your plan? How are you going to figure this out? Because what we found very, very quickly is all of a sudden certain concepts said we're going to figure it out we're not closing we're going to figure out how to do this takeout and there was a huge learning curve there was uh, one concept in particular that literally they said okay you know what our entire business model's got to change we've got to they literally said that they did they said because the reality is nobody can eat in our restaurant so how do we sell food and so literally but here's the difference the difference is they immediately said, we're going to figure it out. We're going to put our minds on it. We're going to brainstorm. We're going to get... So they, you know what they did? They went and started asking all of the online services, how can we partner with you to start doing online ordering? Right now, we're doing about 7% online orders. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Only 7%. Small, online. small fraction. None. Yeah, it was all people coming into the restaurant, which is a lot of the industry. So they started that. They got slammed because they started putting out on social media that, hey, we're open. We're going to do takeout. We're going to do curbside. We're doing all this th- all this stuff. They were, because here's the reality, and this is what was so funny. They had three services, that, and then they just brought on a fourth. They did this within the first week. And literally, when does everybody call to order? 5 to 5.30, right? Yeah. I mean, so everybody yeah, in yeah. the world. And so literally, the way that it worked, it was locked into their systems. So they would see 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Like 30 orders clock in at 5. 40 more clock in at 5.01. And they're like, whoa, you know, they weren't ready. Mm-hmm. And so if you were that first guy at 5, you got your order in 12 minutes. You're the last guy at 5. Now in 30. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> and that's just because they weren't ready. Well, then, here's which, the key. Which, which is an interesting concept because that will never happen at the restaurant. 
Right. Because there's limited capacity. Right. Like, like they will just wait until the... Until, right. until, and you, so this is a whole new... Think about that. Absolutely. You can get hundreds of orders within a couple of minutes. Absolutely. Could. Hey, uh, the restaurant that we decided to go to for Cinco de Mayo, we ordered. They said it'd be two hours. We got there. They said it'd be three more. Mm -hmm. Three more hours? Three more hours before we got our food. And then finally, they just said, I'm sorry, we're out of food. Mm -hmm. And so that's how that worked. But, but here's the thing. This is, this is the critical point. This is the point to understand. They started early. Well, now they figured it out. They learned. They knew how much food they needed. They knew how much they had to prep. They knew how many people they needed to have in the kitchen. They knew they, how to manage the queue. Every single thing. They it took them weeks. Yeah. It took them weeks to do it. <clears throat> but they figured it out. Now they are so far ahead of the game. They're at record weeks. Now. Now. August. Record weeks. Because they figured it out. Um, other concepts that we work with, um, you know, they're seriously looking at their footprints. Does it still make sense? If I'm, a, if, I'm a, if I'm a concept and I have 35 locations, does it make sense for me to have all this real estate? Uh -huh. Because I can only put 50% of the people in here anyways. Sure. And here's the thing. Um, I talked to somebody this morning. He said, Jeff, we went from 20% online orders to 70% online orders. Wow. It's a big, it's a big increase. It's a huge, huge increase. It's now majority of their sales is takeout, ordering online. And, and this was shared with me also, and I think this is really important to understand. Um, me personally, I ordered online one time prior to COVID. Now I do it regularly. So my generation and generations above me, you know, people in their 60s and in their 70s, guess what? They figured it out. And that is a huge dynamic. Yeah, it's an interesting, I mean, listen, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, even me, I'm the, I mean, I'm 34, but I think I'm still considered a millennial maybe, but um, the first time I ever used an Uber Eats was maybe two, I, I've used it once last month. I mean, I literally, it's, you know, but it's, uh, you know, pre that, I, I, I never use it. I never downloaded the apps. I, I, I never even thought about it. You know, I'll just, you know, call in and I'll stop by and pick it up or I'll just eat there. I mean, you know, but um, interesting uh Interesting, you know, Bill. What are your thoughts? You think about what Jeff said. You know, got seventy percent drive-through or, or to-go now. Um, you take that seventy percent and just the amount of loyalty. If you're doing it right, and you figured out the system, mm -hmm. and you know how to queue everything, and people aren't waiting for that forty-five minutes or that hour or that hour and a half or that five hours or any ridiculous amount of time, if you have enough in the queue then, you know, people that are going to order, it'll tell them, you know, hey, they're not taking orders at this time, so you're not disappointed. And that's okay. That's kind of like the takeaway. Then I'm going to say, they're so busy, I'm going to try them tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So, but take that 70% and go back to what he said previously where they were doing 7% takeout. If I own my own restaurant and I was doing 7% takeout, now I'm doing 70 and I'm, I'm gaining loyalty with those people that maybe they're the first-time guests, and you retain that, and the frequency with which they come and order at your restaurant is more than once a week, take that 7% and add another 10. Wouldn't you like to add another 10 points to your to-go business whenever we do open back up to full capacity? Sure. I would. Here's, I mean, uh, I think it's, it, 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 it really has shown a lot of owners, operators, weak points in their business. Sure. I mean, think about this. I mean, 
you know, we, you know, in investing, you know, you, you said you, you wanted to do some, some trading and stuff right. like that. Okay. You know, do you always put all your money with one company? Mm-mm. No, you diversify. Well, who about this? Forever, owners just relied on dine mm-hmm. and didn't even put a thought into packaging, no. look, anything, anything. Right. right. And it's just, I mean, because like seven, I mean, 7% is a small number, you know, if you're trying to diversify that, oh, that business, um, it's a good point. It's a really good well, point. And, and the other big part of that, that is the next play that everybody is looking at now, who can do it well? Yeah. Who has the right packaging? That's a good point. Who has the right packaging? And when I get my food in 20 minutes back to my house, what does it look like? How does it taste? Yeah. Are my fries crispy or are they limp and terrible? Are my, you know, is the food, how well did the food transport? That is a big, big issue right now that a lot of people are looking at because Let's just be honest. You will be judged. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. second that container's open, 100%. you will be judged. So you have to be aware of that. You have to do tests in-house. How does this hold up? Do I need to upgrade this so that at 20 minutes later when it appears at that house, it looks better? You probably do, or you'll never get that order again. Yeah. And that's, a, that, that's something that we're really helping people to understand. How can I implement? How can I improve that quality 20 minutes from my restaurant yeah. in a container? I mean, listen, that, that's why guys, it's so important. Find a good local paper company that's got great disposable <laughs> products right. that we can put our products. <laughs> that's right. We'll self plug, but. Uh... <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, you, you really it's... do. You have to have somebody that you can work with 100%. that will help you, that can get you the samples, get you things to test and try. Sure. Because you have to figure it out. That is where we are. 100%. I mean, we. We have probably brought on more diverse products, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, plastic, you know, hinge containers, mm-hmm. you know, vented. I mean, you know, whether it's paper uh, containers to, you know, I mean, literally every, we've had so many more, you know, uh, different types of cutlery kits, you know, well, we need clear, heavy, you know, it's mm-hmm. five, six piece, you know, this, I mean, so it's been, it's been an interesting time, even as a distributor vendor of these restaurants, bring in products, um, but it, it just goes back to communication. Like if, if you just properly, hey, gloves, it's a little hard right now, right? Like bear mm-hmm. with us, mm-hmm. I'll get you something, disinfectants, this, that. I mean, it's just, um, you know, and I think if you're honest and upfront and you just communicate, Amen. like Critical they're component. gonna understand, like, you know, but if you, they order something and then you don't even say anything and it doesn't ship and, and they're expecting it, be expecting some thrash <laughs> to, on the sales rep, you know what I mean, or the driver, or you know, something like that. But, um, but anyway, you know, just to, to 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 piggyback on what you said, Jeff, you know, um, you know, your customer that that thought about and brought brought on, you know, I, I don't know if I heard this right or I read this somewhere, but there is nothing that sustained thought cannot overcome. Mm-hmm. If you just think about and mastermind and 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 you either and, figure and out how to do it or you'll figure out how not to do it. One or the other. But you will figure it out. Right. right? And you you get to choose. Bring on your managers, bring on some right. some you know some staff. Mm-hmm. Get your partners together. Get some vendors together. Get some bring some people in and let's figure this thing out because the reality is is that we want all the businesses to stay open and mm-hmm. thrive Absolutely. and succeed and prosper because guess what? You go out of business, I can't sell you anything, right? Neither can Jeff or Bill, right? Yeah, exactly. Build relationships. Mm-hmm. Build relationships, manifest positive things, 
not negative things, because right now it is so easy to manifest negative things, 100%. whether it be in your personal life or your business life. Manifest positive things for yourself and other people. It's good. I like that. So um, maybe some, some parting thoughts, you know. Um, like I said, keep in mind we've got broad audience mm -hmm. of business owners, people that would like to own their business, yep. maybe people that just want to be at the top of their game in inside sales position or, you know, I mean, wide spectrum of people. What are your guys' thoughts in your experiences? You guys have done well, you know, in your industries. Um, what are some thoughts? What are what are some thoughts? You go ahead. Or you know, some, build, some tips. Uh, build relationships with people. Um, keep those relationships, not for the short term, but for the long term, and and don't go after it uh, for for monetary reasons. Mm. Go after it for the right reason. Yeah, I um I I heard this yesterday. It was on a podcast that I listened to, but it was. You know, somebody was asked, you know, if I lost my job, right, um, you know, or the, the, uh, the entrepreneur said, if you lost your job and you can't within 30 days find a new job, it's either one of two things. Your network and your relationships is too small. You don't know, you don't know enough people and you don't have the right relationships, connections, mm -hmm. or your value in the marketplace is not good enough. Right. You've got to get better at your craft. Yep. There's no, I mean, and I was like... And the, wow. beauty of that, that, the beauty of that, you are totally in control of those two things. That's so right. You can absolutely affect where you go from this point forward. And, and that's what, I guess in closing, I would say um, something kind of similar to that is, uh, and kind of what I started with, this is, if you recognize this is a grand opportunity, we have some manufacturers that are now manufacturing products because of COVID. Sure. They, they recognize, hey, our current, what we're doing is not going to work. They shifted mm -hmm. and they started doing something that would work. 100%. So it really does come down to your mentality of how you perceive things. Sure. It really does come down to how you view it, your perception. And so if you see it the right way and you honestly have your eyes open, the opportunities are abundant. They really, really are. So. That's true. I like it. So episode 12, loved it. And we are B&A? B&A Foods. B&A Foods, um, based out of Cornelius, well, our, North Carolina. Um, our no. mothership is Mo actually in Manalapan, New Jersey. Our corporate... Our Manalapan, South New Jersey. It's a tough one. I, being from the South, it took me as long to learn how to say that as your last name. He, so. he stood in the mirror and said that like a million times. <laughs> so... Okay. But anyways, that's where the mothership Jersey. is for BNA Food Sales, okay. and then our southeast uh, corporate office is in Miami. Okay, and we just opened up this Cornelius division. This is our Carolina division. Nice, mm -hmm. nice, and it's it's our jobs to go grow it. Absolutely, absolutely. that's what we're doing. So, so these guys, um, any place they can find you guys, you guys, you know. Yeah, how the best way to find us is um, probably uh, just through our website, which is really really fun. It's uh, brokeroftheyear.com. Brokerofthegear.com. That's there. us. That's us. B and A Food Sales. What a what a domain name. I love <laughs> that. That's right. That's right. Well, we, you know, and that's the thing. Um, you know, we've been very very serious, but we really do have a lot of fun. Yes. And uh, I will tell you, the people that come to work with our company, uh, they have incredible experience background, and we do have a lot of fun. So you guys, so you guys primarily service multi-store locations. Um, we do everything because we work with distributors like yourself. Okay. Uh, we work with the operators, and then obviously we work with all of our manufacturing communities. So we, we are the link to everything in a sense. So if you're an operator, please reach out to us. If you want to see chicken products, if you want to see non-foods items, whatever you want to see, oil. 
we can direct you, we can guide you, we can show you what works best. You know, oil, for instance, right now, we are, we're upgrading a lot of people because they're recognizing that, hey, if I have a higher quality oil, my french fry looks better mm. on the other end. Commodity oil doesn't last long on to goes. So, but anyways, yeah, we can absolutely do that. Um, I mean, I don't I don't have a problem sharing uh, jlaurie at brokeroftheyear.com is the best way to reach me. Sure. And then also call me anytime you want. Sure. And uh, my mobile is always the best way to reach me, which is, I'll throw it out there, 704-201-1646. Cool. So... You guys heard it. Thank you guys so much for, for hanging out with us. Yeah, I, thank I, you. I thought this was good. I thought this was very beneficial. I think you guys have such a different perspective, mm -hmm. you know, talking to, you know, franchises and, and, and you know, 5, 10, 35, you know, 100 unit locations. Right. Is that right? A uh, thousand. Thousand? Well, Darden. We, I work with Darden. So, yeah. so, so, I mean, these guys have a whole different perspective. <laughs> on the restaurant business. I love it. I'm I you know, I think it's good to continue to learn in any position you're at. And so, you know, hopefully you guys are watching, taking notes and implementing some of this stuff. But um anyway, good to see you guys. Thank you guys so much. Episode twelve in the books. We will see you guys uh coming up with some uh, some more podcasts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys uh can follow us, share, like the videos, uh or if you're listening to this while you're driving down the road, uh doing some sales, make sure you guys knock it out out of the park, and um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Over and out.